0: All right. Hello and good morning, everybody. I am very happy to be here. It is Wednesday, the 28th of September. We're already at the end of September. I can't believe it moving into October. And uh, I think we got a whole bunch of things that are going to be kicking off over the next couple of months. Um, and I'll be covering it here. Thank you so much for joining me. My name is David Whitehead. If it's your first uh, time with this show, thank you so much for joining in. I've got a treat for you this morning. I'm gonna be interviewing the great Charles Hoff, Dr. Charles Hoff. He hails from British Columbia, which is where I'm from. Uh, I feel like I should have had him on earlier on, but we finally made it happen and I'm so glad he's here. Quick little background. Uh, Dr. Hoff is a family doctor in Lytton, BC, Canada. He has worked as a rural family physician and emergency room physician for more than 30 years. And after seeing numerous cases of severe COVID injury COVID injection injury in his own patients, Dr. Hoff became an outspoken advocate for patient safety and the Hippocratic Oath, first, do no harm. Dr. Hoff has been threatened, persecuted, and disciplined by the medical authorities for the crime of causing vaccine hesitancy because he questioned the safety of the experimental injections and advocated for the safety of his own patients who have been injured. And he is also kicking off a tour he's leaving later today and they're doing uh, a bunch of cities. They're doing a tour to inform Canadians about what's really going on and so much more. So, without further ado, let me bring in the good doctor. There he is, Dr. Hoff. Thank wow. you so much for taking the time. You're a busy man. Uh, you've been a, a hero in this country. You're one of the number one requested guests that people ask that I bring on the show. And so, I'm so glad you're here. You've been out at the protests, you've been on the microphone, you've been standing outside the College of Physicians and Surgeons, which we're gonna get into, and um, trying to advocate for actual science instead of the science. So well done, sir, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, David, it's a, it's a, it's a pleasure to be on your show. Well, we need more doctors like you speaking out and telling people the truth and uh, giving people the other side at the very least. Um, maybe just do a give us a quick uh, rundown of your background and then how this happened for you, how this story unfolded for you. As a doctor in BC, you started having direct experience with uh, some things that started this questioning process that you've been on, and it's now turned into a whole thing. You've been featured in documentary films. You're speaking everywhere. Uh, so just give us a little story about how this all evolved for you.
1: Yeah, well, this is all rather taken me by surprise. You know, I live in a tiny little village in in the southern interior of British Columbia um, that most people have never even heard of. And I've worked here my entire career as a family doctor and as an emergency room doctor to a mostly First Nations community. So I have been quietly just doing my job trying to meet the needs of people uh, the medical needs of people in the small, very underserviced area. <clears throat> but when this whole pandemic broke uh, in, in, um, in the beginning of 2020, and the first, initially I was very concerned because as an emergency room doctor, um, I realized that I was going to be really in the front lines. And I we were told how lethal this virus was and and how dangerous, you know, how there were doctors and nurses in China dying um, as they were trying to save other people. And I had concerns for my, not for my own safety, but even for the safety of my family. That, that whether it was going to even be safe for me to go home after work, wondering if I was going to take this terrible virus to them and make them sick. You know, so so I I, I had genuine concerns for for how i was going to deal with especially being in a very underserviced area where there's no we don't have anesthetists and and respiratory technicians and and high-tech equipment for dealing with desperately ill people and 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 they'd set up a negative pressure room in our uh, icu where it was um, we were going to be intubating these desperately sick COVID people that the ambulance was going to be bringing in and and so i was i was i was a bit nervous i think everyone was we didn't know quite what to make of it um it was seemed like something we'd never seen before and then after a, a, a literally within about 2 months the cdc published recovery figures survival figures for people with covid and when i looked at these and noticed that they were actually no different from the flu i realized that there was something very seriously wrong with the narrative that we were getting from the mainstream media never before had there been so much hype and so much fear and anxiety over it an illness that was no more dangerous than the flu so so mm. i could see right off the bat no i could smell a rat there was something not right here and so um then when i heard that the um and of course the world health organization said the pcr is the standard test for diagnosing these people i mean most doctors should know that the pcr test cannot distinguish between a living and a dead virus it cannot just it's looking just for a piece of protein or dna it, it can't tell you if you're infected so 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 we will actually never know how many people have had covid or how many people have died of covid because they chose a non-diagnostic test that, that and if you run it at a high enough cycle threshold, can have a massive number of false positives. So, this was used for driving this massively exaggerated hype and, and, and this literally pandemic of fear. And and, and so, sorry,
0: just, just to jump on that, because that's a question people bring up. Um, in Canada, I remember seeing numbers a while back about what cycles they were running the PCR test at, and I heard it was upwards of 40, 45, even more cycles. Is that do you know what that was? Or
1: yeah, no, it was it was they different labs had different cycles, but there was nothing, nothing less than 35. It was generally between 35 and 42 from all the labs I, I checked on. Um anything above 25 is is invalid. So running it at 35, and this is an exponential increase. This is not, you know, so um you know each time you go up one notch, it doubles, it doubles the sensitivity. So so once you get to to a cycle threshold of 35, for example, if you did a, a PCR test on an asymptomatic person, like a traveler returning, or, or, or somebody who had just been in contact with somebody who was sick, you've got a 97% chance of getting a false positive, um, or, or, or the, the positives you get are gonna be 97% false positives at a cycle threshold of 35. And once you get up to 42, it's almost 100% false positives. So this was used for driving this pandemic of fear. And as it turns out, it was all to get people ready for the shots. You know, they, they had to make people scared enough. If they, if they had wanted to mandate a flu shot, we would have laughed at them. Nobody would have taken it seriously. They had to make people terrified enough to, to get them to believe this. And, and, and the PCR test was a very important part of that by massively exaggerating the number of, of, of cases and deaths. Uh, you know, the, the, the average age in Canada of people who have died with COVID so far is 82. Um, you know, and they were saying no one is safe until everyone is vaccinated. You know, that was the mantra of the, of the World Economic Forum. And so, you know, when, when the average age of people who are dying is actually already beyond normal life expectancy, um to say no one is safe until everyone is vaccinated is logically absurd because no one you know we're not all at equal risk children have almost zero risk um the, the risk is the over 70 year olds and as i say more than half of them have been over the age of 82. so so when i heard that they were making gene-based uh, vaccines and I then did some research because doctors are are supposed to be critical thinkers. We're supposed to be constantly examining the evidence to see if what we're doing is correct. It's called evidence-based medicine. So, so when I, when I um, heard about these gene-based vaccines, I started researching the history of gene-based vaccines and what they'd been tried for and what had happened. And I looked at and I saw that uh, following the first SARS. Um, epidemic which was in 2002 and 2003 you may m- remember that that was sars one yeah. they they made gene-based vaccines against that after that because that was a much more serious disease that had a 10 percent mortality uh there were people in canada that died of that and so they had tried in the years following after they'd managed to stop that with and they stopped it because it made people significantly ill. They There they were no claim, you know, of people who were asymptomatic being carriers and all of that. That was absolute nonsense.
0: But and didn't they also uh, they, didn't they also pull the vaccine off the market after they saw that it had killed, I think, like less than 50 people or something?
1: No, no it was never marketed they they oh, they, t- it, they tested yeah i think you're talking about the swine flu vaccine uh back, back in 76 when they had an h1n1 uh pandemic in 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 76 and and actually when when it had killed 25 people they shut it down and ultimately about 50 died. Um, But they they had vaccinated eventually, I think, 140 million people and 50 had died and they shut it down. They said it's too dangerous. Um, And that was for that was for swine flu in 1976. Um, So obviously the standards have changed uh, in in the most alarming way in terms of, of, of patient safety. But 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 in terms of that first SARS virus, they had tried to make an RNA based a um, vaccine against that, and tested it in laboratory animals, and found that it gave them good antibody levels, and it really looked like they had they'd nailed it. They'd found a brilliant new way of making vaccines using a messenger RNA. But they found when they challenged those laboratory animals with the the SARS virus, about five or six months later, they all got they all got extremely sick, and most of them died. So they they had this this problem called pathogenic priming or antigenic enhancement where this vaccine it, it created antibodies but it so primed their immune it so damaged their immune system that it made them more vulnerable to the virus than if they'd never been vaccinated and and so they shut it down it was a disaster you know when a, when a treatment makes you more vulnerable not less vulnerable it it obviously it's of it's terrible it makes things worse and this is sadly what we've now seen with the present uh the present you know Moderna and and Pfizer um and and that's what we're seeing now is is that people who have had the more shots you have the more vulnerable you are to COVID and perhaps we can talk about that later but but when I started uh when I realized that that now they were going to roll this out on the public with no animal trials, the, the animal trials first time around were a disaster. So this time they weren't even going to do animal trials, and yet they were telling people that all safety protocols had been followed. That 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 they just said, oh, they were just speeded up. Uh, you know, they did things instead of doing phase one trials, phase two, phase three. They said, no, no, they were all just done in parallel to speed it up. You know, and they did it all in three months. We are, we are told. Well, you know, we I think we now know that's none of that was true, but, but I when I saw the information coming out of, uh, for example, doctors of BC, the, the what used to be called the BC Medical Association, the information that it was giving to doctors about this was completely false um, about the safety trials. I was very concerned, and so I when when 12 countries in Europe had shut down the AstraZeneca shot uh, after two months um, because of of large blood clots I sent an email to a group of my colleagues saying you know there's a if, if, essentially there's an ethical principle um, that if you are testing out a new experimental treatment and in the course of your tests you find there is serious evidence of harm you're supposed to stop the experiment and and, and, you know, I said that there is a liability issue for anybody who is giving these shots because there is evidence of harm. The Hippocratic Oath is do no harm. And so I this this uh, this was not a public. Uh, this was not something on social media. This was a private email to 18 doctors, nurses and pharmacists in, in my area who were giving these shots. Just just a bit of. Um, a bit of discussion a bit it was a challenge to them so you know guys i think we should be reconsidering this 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 is not going well uh and and so i was told i was not allowed to say anything negative about these shots in in my community in my in my in in the emergency room where i've worked as an emergency room doctor for three decades and so Immediately, this was a huge red flag. When a doctor is no longer allowed to question the safety of a new treatment that has evidence of harm, there is something very seriously wrong. And, and so I realized, wow, okay, th- this this is a, a very strange um, and alarming situation. Um, you know, I've never been an alarmist. I've never been a person that has sought out controversy. I, I hate conflict. Um, And and I was purely trying to advocate for patient safety, and I was told to be silent. And so I then, uh, and in fact, when I did, from that email, I was, it was sent as a complaint to the College of Physicians and Surgeons, and I was put under um, investigation way back then, near beginning of last year, um, for the crime of causing vaccine hesitancy. But I was told that I was putting people at risk by questioning the safety of this. That is incredible. Like
0: This has been the most mind-blowing part of this whole thing for me. There's many, but this is one where right from day one, right from the announcement of a pandemic and the announcement of bringing lockdowns of healthy people and quarantining of healthy people as one of the policies. We had biostaticians, we had doctors, we had, they were few, but they came out and they said publicly, like we had professor Knut Witkowski, if you remember um, some guys back in the beginning that I remember that were right away saying, hold on, why are we changing all of the policies that we used to use when we're dealing with some kind of spread of a virus? right? Why are we changing that? Um, And what seems to have happened what other doctors have told me is that all of the manual all of the protocols we would have normally had for this kind of thing were thrown out and it was replaced with the china model the, the way that china dealt with it and um of course we know there's a connection between china and and the who and bill gates and the who and all that but um nobody really was thinking like that they were just thinking okay what's the what do we do okay we're doing this now why have we never done this and then it rolled from there and as you said, it started with the flawed PCR test. Then I think it moved. Well, the masking thing was the, the way that they kept the public afraid of this, right? Because if you're walking around, you're seeing everybody in masks, you, you believe, oh, there's a, there's a virus out there I have to be afraid of. Um, and so was that part of how you started questioning as well? Was you started to see there's a change in the way that we're dealing with this? Why is that? And that change isn't aligning with science. Like, what's going on?
1: Yeah, it it was neither scientific nor logical. But but what, what seemed to be very clear is that the media were a key component. The, the, clearly the media was tightly controlled. Um, you know, I think most people in Canada now know that that the Liberal government pays the CBC. I think it's 1.2, it subsidizes them 1.2 billion per year. So so they, if they want to lose their subsidy, they have to do whatever the Liberal Party tells them to do. So, mm-hmm. so this is not a free press. You know, once, once you know, the, the, the Nazis, um, every fascist organization, communist organization has known that you have to control the media and then you can control the people. And this was clearly the way they were doing it because people were unfortunately the, the people who saw through this were the people who don't watch television they could see that none of it right. made sense the people who watch television were were sort of deceived and brainwashed and terrified and they were all the people going around you know that didn't want other people in their house and and, and the, the media were, were 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 the culprits to a large degree well you couldn't get away from it i
0: mean i i don't watch television and I went to a friend's house. They were watching some fights or something. And every second commercial, even the commercials were all about this. You'd walk downtown and on the side of a bus is somebody getting a vaccine or wear your mask or there's posters everywhere. You're literally in an environment. It's like the matrix where you're just constantly, your sub your subconscious mind is being exposed to this propaganda all over the place. And it was only one narrative. And that's how I know from studying politics and these totalitarian regimes in the past, um, that that's a sign that we're dealing with something that's not scientific. It's something that is basically overt propaganda because that's how it works, right? Like if it's real science, they would have said, okay, we don't really know what we're dealing with right now, but we're talking to different experts and we're putting all the evidence on the table and we've come up with a few different options for you. Uh, My big thing was why before they even had this so-called vaccine, uh, why didn't they start giving people advice on how to boost their immune system and enhance their immune system? Why weren't there commercials or newscasters coming out and saying, okay guys, we're waiting on this vaccine, but in the meantime, you should be getting vitamin C, D, zinc, get some sunlight, get outside, you know, exercise, eat healthy. Why weren't they giving that advice? Um, instead, they just were live in fear, hide under your bed, bubble wrap your kids, and we'll get you a vaccine in a very short period of time. Don't worry about it, you know?
1: Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, you know, w- wherever you get censorship of science, then you know there. And, and unfortunately, we've seen this with the climate change thing. Any meteorologist or scientist who who dared to question the climate change hysteria lost their funding. They they, they were usually fired from their job. Um, you know, it's now being shown. You know, and this is a whole different issue that 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 ninety seven percent of scientists will will advocate for whoever gives them funding um so whatever you know that's what they have to say and so unfortunately the it's the same with the media um it, it's he who has the gold makes the rules that's the golden rule you know unfortunately um that's what we're seeing
0: you're so right you're so right and I'm, and the climate change i feel like it's all the same people doing the same stuff like they're trying to use fear as they've always used and then yep. they know that if they can induce um mass hysteria which is what they've induced uh, Matthias Desmond calls it mass formation psychosis, you know, pick your favorite term. But uh, when they can induce that, they now need to give people rituals to alle- relieve the fear, right? And I use the term ritual because I think that they've created the same blueprint as we've seen if you look into different cults. Uh, and this is why I labeled my documentary series Cult of the Medics, just sort of tongue in cheek saying they've created a cult of science instead of actual science. And with the public, they've given us sort of rites and rituals that we have to go through that help people leave their fear, but don't really work at all and actually harm you. Like, you have to wear this mask. To me, that's like a symbol. It's like a you're wearing the, the, the garb of the cult. You know, you're showing that you are part of the team. And then you, you put on the hand sanitizer. That's kind of like your holy water that you have to anoint before you cross the holy threshold of Walmart, uh, which was allowed to stay open, but all the small businesses got closed. Um, And that what it does is it creates the hysteria. It keeps the thing going. Meanwhile, we're not tripping over bodies in the streets over this thing. The homeless people are still running around. No problems. I still see the same homeless people that I saw two years ago. Uh, They don't wash their hands. They don't hand sanitize. They don't get vaccines and they definitely don't wear masks. So how did they survive, right? So in order for them to keep people in this delusion, that's where the media comes in. That's where these they They put these rituals out there to get people to believe the lie. Um, so what what was what do you think about the way they did this with the masks? What's your thought on the masks?
1: Well, well, masks, you know, I think any doctor or scientist worth their salt knows that you cannot stop an airborne virus with a surgical mask. You know the you know if smoke will go through that mask and a smoke particle is, I think, twenty five times bigger than a virus. Um, you know, it, it, and, and we know that about 20 percent of the air you breathe goes around the mask um, unless you have a very, very tight fitting mask, which, you know, almost nobody does. So, you know, f- face masks were part of the fear. It, it was it was an I, you know, they and, and this whole myth of asymptomatic spread was a very, I mean, we, doctors have never believed before that a completely, you know, asymptomatic person is a spreader of disease. It, it's absurd. You have to have some symptom. Um, it is possible uh, for for a very short period of time, just before uh, you get symptoms, for, for a, a, an infected person to shed a few viruses. But it is so few that you would have to be in a very confined space for a prolonged period of time with someone else in order to infect them because you have to get a minimum of 300 virons to get infected that's the infectious dose you you can't you know one dose is not going to infect you you you, one virus you're going to need 300 minimum and so in order to get that from an asymptomatic person you'd have to be stuck in an elevator all day or, or something like that you'd have to be Uh, you'd have to be in a very confined space for a long time. And so you could, there's no way you could get it in a, in a, in a, in a church or in a store or, or any in a school. It's just not confined enough. And the the amount of viruses that they're excreting is so tiny. So, so the masks were part of the narrative of fear. Um, And, 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 yeah, I mean, even and, and 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 there are now more than 150 scientific studies from all over the world showing that wearing masks made absolutely no difference. In fact, in many jurisdictions, it made it worse because it is so unhealthy. You have less oxygen, you're stuck with this petri dish of microbes over your nose and mouth, which is incredibly unhealthy. Part of your immune system's way of dealing with with airborne viruses is that you can breathe them out, that you can get rid of them. And the mask prevents you from doing that. They're trapped over your nose and mouth, which is why many of the studies actually showed that masks did the opposite. They didn't, They, they didn't. firstly, they didn't stop the virus getting in, but they trapped what your body was trying to get rid of it right in front of your nose and mouth. So it, it, um, it, it definitely made things worse.
0: Yeah. I always got a kick out of the guys with the big beards and then they wear the mask (laughs) over the beard. You just see this like beard walking around and I'm sitting there going, you do know that that's doing absolutely nothing whatsoever. Like you do and you look ridiculous. I'm sorry. I, I just, you know, I'm sorry. But, uh, one thing I was thinking, there's a few things that come up. Um, people have been asking governments to show and prove That they even isolated any kind of virus i'm sure you've heard this right and and they haven't the government hasn't come out to my knowledge to to show that so there are people that have the belief that there wasn't even anything it was all just statistical fraud and they just replaced the flu with covid um where do you sit on that do you think there was actually a, a covid virus do you think it was um maybe it died out really quickly and then they had to bring the flu numbers in to sort of buffer their numbers. What's with the flawed testing as well. Uh, or like, do you think it was all sleight of hand or do you think it was real? It just wasn't as bad as they said it was, and they dealt with it in a really unscientific way. What do you think?
1: Yeah. Well, I think obviously there has been something that has made people, some people very sick. Um, if you look at the the all-cause mortality figures for 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 canada and in our province bc for the first year of this pandemic before there were any vaxxers there was no increase in all-cause mortality in the whole of canada in 2020 which was the first year of this This pandemic, it was literally almost the same as the year before, maybe a very slight, I mean, normally it increases slightly year after year because we have an aging population and because the population is is slowly increasing. So the number of people that die slowly increases, but there was nothing to indicate that there was a pandemic uh, in terms of all cause mortality. Now that has gone up. Quite a bit all around the world since the vaccine rollout, but it had not before that. So, but there was still something that was making people very sick. And, and as I mentioned, the PCR test cannot distinguish between a living fragment and a dead, you know, and a living organism and a, and a fragment of, of a previously alive organism. In other words, it, it only picks up DNA or protein, it cannot tell you that you're infected. So, um, and it cannot distinguish between different types of coronaviruses, and it cannot distinguish between the flu and coronavirus, which is why the flu seemed to disappear as soon as COVID appeared. Um, flu figures literally dropped to zero because they were all just showing up as COVID. Well, so, they say, oh, it's because we were wearing masks. That's why. Like that's <laughs> excuse. Like we're- it was well proven before that, that masks do absolutely nothing to stop transmission of flu. And there was a court case here in BC, our provincial um, health officer, Dr. Bonnie Henry, actually testified in court about four years or maybe five years before this pandemic, when there was a um, a case brought up because they were forcing doctors and nurses who didn't want the flu jab to wear masks during flu season. And, And this was challenged. And she actually testified that masks did nothing to stop flu. And and of course she wow. said the exact opposite in COVID. You know she and Anthony Fauci have got a lot in common in terms of their moral integrity. Well, didn't they say that in the beginning? This is what kills me as I show friends of mine this
0: stuff, right? And um, I'm like, okay, here is a clip of Anthony Fauci and Bonnie Henry during the pandemic in the beginning saying exactly what I'm saying that, well, the masks aren't really going to be effective because people don't know how to wear them. They're not properly fitted. They're touching their mask and then touching stuff and then paying with the debit machine behind the fiberglass doesn't make a difference. It's all, it's all charade. Right. And, uh, still, you can't break through these people's minds, unfortunately, but, um, they said it and then they changed. And what Fauci's excuse is when he is grilled by Rand Paul is, well, the science is fluid. The science uh, I guess the science is also gender fluid, you know, like it can change by the moment. It's the smartest virus to ever exist. Right. But we know that's not really scientific
1: to say. Right. No, exactly. I mean, to, you know, we're supposed to weigh up not just the evidence that we want. We're supposed to weigh up all of the evidence. And so, uh, you know, unfortunately, you um, Science is often or what is called science isn't often as scientific as most people realize because you can you can prove or disprove almost anything if you using flawed science. Uh, If you pick your you know, if you cherry pick your 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 data, uh, that's how the tobacco industry for decades got away with with their campaigns to get people addicted to tobacco by employing scientists to design scientific studies to show that tobacco did not cause cancer and 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 they could prove it you know and they could say well you know you can't prove that it does cause cancer because some people smoke for 40 years and never get cancer and other people who've never smoked a cigarette in their life do get cancer so how do you prove that cigarettes cause cancer and the only way is it it takes years And you have to use statistics and of course you can show the carcinogens in it and test you know isolate those out and and show that they cause cancer but but statistically you can show that people who smoke have an eight times higher chance of getting lung cancer than people that don't smoke but it doesn't mean that you can never get lung cancer just because you don't smoke And, and so so they used they used flawed science fraudulent science and also the other thing you know, that is key for the pharmaceutical industry, as it was for the tobacco industry, is to get your people on the government advisory panels. You've got to get your you know people who are on your payroll on the Health Canada advisory panels so that that they will they will push your narrative and, and, and make sure that they use the science that you have come up with, which is fraudulent uh, to justify their decision. It's incredible what you're telling, because now
0: I guess we're learning just how bad it has gotten, how corrupt science and medical science in this pharma industry really is. I think we're just starting to get a glimpse of it. And I had a quote here from uh, Dr. Marcia Angel. I don't know if you've heard of her. She wrote a book um, talking about the drug industry. And she says this, she says, it is simply no longer possible to believe much of the clinical research that is published or to rely on the judgment of trusted physicians or authoritative medical guidelines. I take no pleasure in this conclusion, which I reached slowly and reluctantly over my two decades as an editor for the New England Journal of Medicine. And so what she was hinting at there and what she explains in her book is is what you're talking about, how unfortunately um, you can use statistics and you can do studies, many of which are actually sponsored by the pharmaceutical companies themselves, which there's a big bias there, I would think uh, that, you know, now you can't necessarily just trust all this publicated uh, this published science that's coming out, uh, especially during a situation like this, where there are many vested interests in keeping this narrative going. And um, we've even seen the retractions of some of these studies that came out that started these policies. Um, and then the policies never really changed, even though those studies were retracted. So do you think this has been a problem sort of systemically within medical science for, for quite some time now?
1: It has been a problem, you know, to to have to allow pharmaceutical manufacturers to test their own products makes no sense because there there is a conflict of interest. Um, And unfortunately, the pharmaceutical industry has the, the worst track record of scientific fraud and dishonesty of any branch of science because there is so much money at stake. I think since the year 2000, the pharmaceutical industry has paid $30 billion in fines and court settlements for covering up harm, for fraudulent science, for for harming people. And so these people are not just convicted criminals, they are repeat offenders. And we should not believe anything that they say. And it absolutely, you know, with their track record of a scientific fraud and dishonesty, they should not be. Or if they test their own products, we should disregard it. All pharmaceutical things should be tested by somebody who has no conflict of interest. And that's scientific statement. And yet,
0: here you are getting hauled in front of the College of <laughs> Physicians and Surgeons, and you are now a medical heretic. Um, I actually speak in a medical heretics. Uh, I, I read a book called medical heretic by Dr. Robert Mendelssohn. I don't know if you remember him. He wrote a book in the seventies called or confessions of a medical heretic is what it was. And he was a doctor in his day coming out to talk about many of the things he noticed as a physician. He was also in the emergency physician and he started to expose this way back when it was one of the books that woke me up to this. And, um, and he mentioned the fact that there's a lot of pressure from these colleges. Could you tell us about how that dynamic works? Is that a major factor here that has prevented the truth from coming out? Is the fact that you're getting blocked by the colleges? Because people are going to ask, why aren't there more doctors speaking out? I think a lot of them maybe even want to, but they feel trapped by their by that college, right? That hierarchy.
1: Yeah the the colleges are 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 very guilty of this you know the the college in in Canada each province has a college of physicians and surgeons who is the regulatory body for the doctors who are registered in that province and they hold every doctor accountable to the code of ethics of the Canadian Medical Association and and amongst that you know in that so that's about a three page document That if a doctor, you know, the Hippocratic oath is do no harm. And part of that is is this sort of ethical and responsible practice of medicine. So not only do, do doctors need to be appropriately qualified to do the job that they are licensed by the college to do, but they need to do that job in an ethical and safe manner. And it's all about protecting patients. Uh, and so amongst, you know, in amongst that three-page document are, are things like, if there is a possibility of harm from a medical treatment, a doctor must disclose it to the patient. And if harm has been caused by a medical treatment, the doctor must disclose it to that patient. In other words, you're not allowed to, to, to there's no cover-ups allowed. You, you, the doctors have to be right up front about risk and about harm. And so, you know, what we have been seeing with this where where they there's there are literally cover ups of vaccine injuries, not only where where um they you know, for for example, I have it, it, they, there's a vaccine injury reporting form that doctors are supposed to report vaccine injuries. I submitted fourteen of those on my own patients, and in every single case, the response I got: "No, these are not vaccine injuries. These are all just coincidences." In other words, you can't report, and and that's how. So this is a cover-up. Wherever you get an experimental treatment that is being used any evidence of harm that there's no other explanation for has to be attributed to that treatment if you've got when somebody when you give somebody a treatment and suddenly and unexpectedly they've got weakness or or they they've got some neurological deficit or they're short of breath or they drop dead or whatever else you unless there's some other valid explanation you have to assume it is from this treatment that you're doing and yet we see the exact opposite we see this massive denial of harm because of this narrative this mantra that these shots are safe and effective no they don't cause neurological problems these are safe and effective um you know they have what they call um, safety signals that they watch for but those signals are being buried um it it is this is astonishing so the college of physicians and surgeons is supposed to ensure that informed consent is i mean an informed consent is not just an ethical requirement it is a legal requirement and of course you can't give informed consent to a treatment if you're not told what the risks are and yeah. and, and because these this RNA technology this gene these gene-based vaccines our, our new technology in this form, um, they're, they're not new in terms of, they have been tried before in the past, but never in this form, never with this delivery system. We have no idea what the five year survival risks. We don't know what the cancer rate's gonna be after five years, after 10 years. We don't know what it's doing to fertility. It all looks terrible from what we're seeing, but, but we don't know what the long-term risks are. So no one can give informed consent if they're not informed of the risks, and of course they've been misinformed about the benefits, they were told that you could keep other people safe by having these shots, which is which is absolute nonsense. Because for both Moderna and Pfizer told us right from the start that these do not stop infection and they do not stop transmission. What they told us is this is going to reduce severe um, injury and death, but um, but um, but clearly. It's not reducing severe in, uh, injury and death because the the vast majority of people who are now dying of COVID in Canada are are the triple and or people that have had at least three shots. They make up uh, more than 80 percent of people who are dying of COVID. So, so the colleges have absolutely failed the people of Canada because they have. They have allowed these gross ethical violations to carry on. They have allowed this cover-up of harm. They have allowed this medical treatment to be administered by people who shouldn't, you know, for your employer to tell you that you need a certain test or a certain um, uh, treatment should be illegal. They are not a medical practitioner. They have no license to practice medicine. Only a doctor should be able to tell you that you need a medical treatment or a medical test. And even then, you should have complete freedom as to whether you want it or not. And right. to, so to be impoverished by losing your job or, 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 or um, you know, is, is absolutely, it's, it's, it's absurd. And the colleges are the one organization who should have stopped these ethical violations, and they have not so they have betrayed they're sort of like the watchdog that is supposed to keep doctors in line and in fact they have been complicit in these horrendous deeds that we've seen in the last two years yeah it's like who's watching
0: the watchers right someone has to keep an eye on them uh thank god for people like you dr hoff Um, and as i was thinking about safety signals i mean i'm no doctor i'm no scientist but i just have you know some common sense i'd like to think anyways where I look around and I see all these athletes drop and dead. I see heart attacks. I know people personally um, who they're not waking up. Like I've people that I know in my neighborhood have just been passing away in their sleep. Uh, I've spoken to paramedics who are on the ground. So they're considered the front, front line. These are the people that are supposedly out there picking up all these COVID patients. And they've been telling me consistently uh, that the number one things they've been picking up from the beginning, you, there one of them worked in Vancouver. He said, I was working supposedly in the ground zero of uh, the outbreak in BC and there was no, out there was nothing happening. We were picking up overdoses, heart attacks and suicides. That's what we were picking up. And, um, right now I see ambulances going by my house multiple times a day and you just always wonder, you know, what's that about? And, um, And then you got Justin Bieber. I mean, half his face is fallen off, you know, and he's canceling all of his tours and other celebrities are canceling their tours because they're ill. Uh, Movie productions have been stopped because people can't come into work. And I always ask people keep going, COVID isn't over. And it's like, well, everybody's jabbed. So what does that tell you? Is it really COVID or is there something happening? We got cruise ships and military vessels that have 100% vaccinated people on board and everybody's wearing a mask and they're still having outbreaks. So to me, I don't know if it's if it's it's a certain kind of science you need to know to understand how that's even possible, but a layman looks at that and goes, "Those look like some signals that something's going on and it only started after the shots." Do you see that as well? Like some people will tell me, "Oh, all this myocarditis and everything, it's because of COVID." And I'm like, yeah, but we didn't see this happening prior to 2021 during the alpha outbreak. We didn't see that. And I'll say my last bit. I had whatever this was, or I had something. As we said, uh, for February 2020, I got something that knocked me down for eight days. I'm a healthy guy. I'm proactive. My wife gave me a eucalyptus steam bowl, Dr. Hoff. She did, you know, those old things. You take eucalyptus, boiling water. You put your little cloth, it's like the old uh, the old way to do it. And you breathe in the steam. And immediately after we did that, I started feeling better. And I went, okay. So I recovered from whatever that was. And I'm strong and I don't have myocarditis. I don't have any problems. And um, yet they're trying to tell us that all the things we're seeing is due to COVID. But you saw that change, didn't you? That it was after the rollout that we saw the increase and all these heart issues and and blood clotting and all that stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah, you know, as I, I mentioned to you the anxiety that I had when this all started, um, th- that you know I had I had concerns, yeah, because we were told that there were doctors and nurses in China who were dying. Um, and, and of course, you know that when somebody is very sick with a virus, they are shedding massive amounts of virus. It's not like an asymptomatic person that's shedding a couple of little viruses. These people are shedding millions and millions, and so they're highly infectious, those critically ill people. And and our so our negative pressure room and our emergency room um, was never, ever used for one single patient because the ambulance... 18 months into this pandemic, our health facility got burned down, and, and I lost my medical practice. Um, oh, wow. Sorry. But by the time that happened, we had not had one single COVID patient brought into our ER in the entire pandemic in 18 months. That, that negative pressure room had sat idle and empty, gathering dust um, and and, and the, the First Nations people here in Lytton would come at seven o'clock in the evening during the first year of the pandemic to honor these amazing heroes that were in the front lines that were saving all these lives. And I would go and stand there with the nurse and, and I would feel like an absolute fraud because we had done absolutely nothing. The ERs all across Canada were more quiet than ever before the the wow. ICUs were more empty than ever before and yet the media was telling us that the healthcare system was on the verge of collapse you know and that it was being strained it, it was absolute nonsense you know they would find some place somewhere where where they were very busy and 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 make you think that the whole country was like that and and so unfortunately the legacy media are guilty of incredible misinformation um and it, it, yeah, it's been a, it's been appalling and, and, and it's very sad that that the medical profession has not had the moral integrity to stand up, you know, as a as a this is a this is medical tyranny that we have experienced. And, and the doctors, doctors should be capable of enough critical thinking and have enough moral integrity to stand up and say, this is wrong. The, the, you know, firstly, that, that that what people have been told is not true. What the public health authorities have told us is not true. Um, I mean, sadly, it's turned out that almost everything that the public health authorities have told us has turned out to be false. You know, about the effectiveness of masks and lockdowns, the fact that they've denied treatment from people. You know, there's almost no, there's, there's very, very few medical The infections that have no treatment and the fact that they have literally actively withheld this makes no sense to in our community we've had one person that has died of COVID this entire pandemic and that person followed the public health directives exactly when they got COVID they stayed at home until they could barely breathe and then they called 911 and they died That is absolutely absurd. That is an absolute travesty. That person should have, you know, early treatment is absolutely, I mean, it is well proven that literally 80% of people who are said to have died of COVID would not have died of it if they'd been given early outpatient treatment. You know, vitamin D is one of the most important things for your immune system for respiratory viruses. Right. If, If you want... Um, if, if you want if I want to see if a patient of mine is is deficient in in um, vitamin B12 or, or, or maybe folic acid or, or, or one of the other vitamins, thiamine, any of those vitamins, I can order a blood test and the, and the government will pay for the blood test to see if they're deficient in that virus to see if in that in that vitamin to see if they need a supplement, but not for vitamin D. Vitamin D is the most crucial nutrient for your immune system. And yet if if you, and in fact, there was a study done in Malaysia where they found that if you tested people for their vitamin D level and then gave them supplements to bring them up to normal, your COVID mortality rate dropped to almost zero. And yet the government here will not even, if you want a vitamin D level, you're paying for it yourself. and And, and so the fact that, I mean, if this just is scientifically absurd. The, instead of telling everyone to have the experimental injections, they should have mandated that you get your vitamin D level, level tested. And if it was low, you're going to get vitamin D. Th- that's what they should have done. I mean, it's literally as safe and as simple as that. There is no risk in that. Absolutely zero risk. But instead, they have forced people to have what has turned out to me, to be the most disastrously dangerous medical treatment in all of history. You know, you mentioned the um, the the H one N one, the swine flu vaccine that was shut down after twenty five people died. The Open Vers, you know, for the U S. now shows thirty one thousand people dead from their COVID shot. And 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 keep in mind, eighty um, percent of those died within five days of their shot. So these are these are the the sudden the sudden adult death syndrome the the people who just literally drop dead um, doing whatever they, some of them in their sleep some of them doing yeah whatever give there's there's so many videos of these people just dropping dead after their shot yet and they that's continue
0: underreported too right the VARES, like that's uh, grossly underreported there was that Harvard study that looked into it a while back between yep. one to 10% are, and also it's very, it takes, it's a long process for a doctor to actually take the time to go in and fill everything out. And not all the doctors are looking at these instances of death as being connected to the vaccine. They're still in denial or whatever. Um, yes. and so, it, you know, the numbers as horrible as they sound 30,000, that's a very small number compared to what's probably really going on. And then when you take in the Eurovigilance data and data from all over the world, you put it all together. I mean, the death toll is up
1: in the millions at this point. It's got to be. It, it's got to be. And, and of course, those are just the people who died suddenly unexpectedly after their shot. That's not taking into account all of the chronic disease that this has created. And right. and in fact, I, I think one of the most useful bits of information that has come out that shows the long-term harm that these are causing is is the information that came out of the U.S. military because they're in the, the u.s military are, are, are young healthy people mostly between the age of 18 and 40 who have to have a physical every year so the u.s military knew the complete health parameters of everyone in the u.s military and they could see what percentage had high blood pressure what percentage had this cancer that cancer these neurological problems and they knew year after year what is the baseline and then they mandated these vaxxers for the u.s military and and the you know there were some that were subtle things like anxiety disorders went up by twenty three hundred percent high blood pressure um, there was a twenty fold increase in high blood pressure in other words twenty times as many people in the U S military had high blood pressure after their COVID shots than before um, every man, kind of cancer you can think of uh, female infertility went up by fivefold. Uh, male infertility, threefold. This was just in the first year. These were just after two shots. Uh, and of course, the damage is cumulative. So, so these sh- these are creating massive amounts of chronic disease, um, which is, of course, absolutely wonderful if you're a pharmaceutical manufacturer, because now these people are going to have to be buying your products for the rest of their lives. And so this is, this is creating disease. It's not just creating death. It is creating medical problems which are hugely lucrative to the pharmaceutical industry.
0: Wow, it's, such, it's just incredible. Um, there's so many places to go, but we're a little short on time. I want to finish with a few things. I want you to talk a little bit about the film that you're in, Uninformed Consent. I got to go and watch a private screening of it and, um, and it was just—it was a fantastic film. You did an amazing job in it. Talk a little bit about the film and, uh, and, and how well is it doing and then we can maybe get into the tour that you're about to embark on.
1: Yeah, well, that that, that documentary. Um, so, so my my part in that was actually filmed when I was on Vancouver Island. The the um, Todd Harris, who's the who's the creator of that film, who was the brains behind it, um, had. It came to a couple of the presentations that Dr. Malthouse and I were doing on Vancouver Island. And he said to me, you know, could he interview me? And I, I didn't really know what he was going to use it for. So I literally went to his house and um, and he interviewed me and, and I just spoke my mind. I spoke about some of the things we've spoken about, about medical ethics and about the principles of patient safety that I am passionate about. I mean, what drives me, you know, the Hippocratic Oath. Is do no harm, and, and so that is why every doctor should be extremely concerned about patient safety and evidence of harm, and and so so that so but but I, I loved what Todd did with that movie because he kind of put the big picture together. He pulled together all sorts of credible um, people who who had firsthand experience and who had the knowledge. To be able to really shed, shine a light in this darkness, and so uh, that 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 movie's now gone around the world, and it, it needs to keep going. I think everybody needs to send that movie to to everyone they know, because hopefully it, it sort of puts the big picture together. It, it shows the 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 political uh, agenda. It shows the the censorship of science. It shows the, the gross ethical violations. Um, it shows the the brutality in terms of of um, stamping out any naysayers. You know, you, you know, yeah, I'm I'm called an anti-vaxxer, you know, because I'm I, I'm concerned about patient safety. This is ridiculous, you know. You're also, I, part I, of a, you're also part of a small
0: fringe minority of unacceptable views, apparently, and you're a dangerous extremist terrorist that's associated with far-right Nazi ideology, according to Justin Trudeau. <laughs> so, just saying. <laughs> just, saying.
1: <laughs> just saying, isn't it? Unacceptable views, yeah. a Small fringe minority, but you know, fortunately, that fringe minority is gradually getting bigger. Um, and in terms of be the majority now, yeah yeah in terms of unacceptable views, I, I think we need to try and encourage critical thinking and, and try and try and encourage people to actually stand up for the values that have been the bedrock of our society for generations, which is honesty, uh, you know, and truthfulness uh, and I mean, you know without honesty and truthfulness and trust, our, our whole society collapses we have to be able to trust one another and when our when our leaders and our medical authorities turn out to be completely untrustworthy we need to be trying to do something about that i don't know what that is well that's what you're doing
0: then that's why we need you and
1: i've been i
0: love seeing that we do have doctors brave enough to stand up you you've put your own career and your own neck on the chopping block here Um, And so, you know, a big salute to you for that. It takes a lot of courage. You would probably say, I am just doing my job. I'm I'm honoring the Hippocratic Oath. But there's a lot of doctors, sadly, that um, for whatever reason have decided to stay quiet or um, are now still parroting the narrative. I still see them on Twitter. We don't know how many of those accounts are even real, but there's got to be real people still pushing this as well. And you wonder what's going on you know why are they still uh, towing the line after all this evidence so it's good that people come from your profession because i'm just a common man talking about all this stuff and people can easily come back to me and go well you're not a doctor you're not an expert what do you know and um yet i'm just here trying to do the same thing as say hey use critical thinking go listen to multiple perspectives look at the evidence yourself uh, go off your own personal experience as well and then form your own opinion But if we're getting pigeonholed by the media and the whole thing as to looking at it from only one perspective and you're not seeing the other perspective, then the public doesn't even know that this other side exists. Although because of films, because of these tours, because of these protests, because of shows like this, uh, we are getting the message out. And I I know you're about to embark on a tour to go and help spread the word. Could you tell people about what you got planned for the tour, how many cities and what's the what's the goal of the tour? Just to help inform people, give people hope, what are you gonna do?
1: Yeah, so so I previously went on on a couple of tours with with Dr. Stephen Malthouse, and there were some other doctors that were involved. and we toured BC. Uh, back in the winter wintertime, um, and there were a lot of COVID restrictions then. So, you know, some of our events were outside, you know, at sub-zero temperatures. And I realized how tough Canadians were, that they could stand outside at sort of minus 10 or whatever it was, uh, for hours on end and I was frozen but you know I grew up in Africa so so you know my, the only ice there is in your drink uh, so, so <laughs> I had to wear winter woollies but 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 um oh, so this is a tour called justice for the vaccinated and you know our previous tours were actually trying to worn, you know, they, they were going after children back in the in the wintertime in, in December, January. And, and this was horrifying because, you know, the risk of COVID to children is almost zero. Um, they are they are naturally protected against it. And, and the majority of children don't even get any symptoms when they have COVID. Um, and, and so the fact that they were wanting to inject them with these shots that have the worst track record of any medical treatment in history. I mean, they've broken all records for harm um it was what motivated uh, me to go on those previous speaking tours so so this this tour is um is going through nine cities in 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 British Columbia in in the interior and the north so it's starting in Kamloops going all the way to Prince Rupert and ending up in Vancouver where I'll be making another speech um on the 7th of October outside the College of Physicians and Surgeons. So that is, in fact, a, 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 the, the third medical tyranny protest against outside their offices. Th- those, those, I believe, happen on the same day outside every College of Physicians and Surgeons in Canada, all on the same day, and this will be the Amazing. third one. And, and where it's trying to hold the college accountable to the fact that they have failed the people of Canada and the people of every province by allowing these travesties of medical ethics and these abuses of medicine to to occur. And so so these, these tours are to let people know about what the shots have done, to give them some suggestions for how to treat the harm and to give the vaccine injured a voice where they can come and tell their story. Incredible. And I love that you're
0: just taking it right up to the black gates, man. You're just going right up in there. Let's go and do it right on the steps of the college. Uh, it's just, you know, you've got a lot of courage and I love it and we need more of it. And it's also gonna inspire more people to come out. Um, two final questions. One is, have you had more of your colleagues joining in the fight as of late? Or is it still just the small group of doctors? Do you feel like it's 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 starting, you're seeing progress in your profession? And then the second would be, is there any hope you can leave with people for that maybe have taken these jabs that are having issues um everybody's asking the same question what can we do to save these people
1: yeah well firstly yeah is the medical profession waking up um i unfortunately um i have been scapegoated you know back in february of this year february 2022 the college issued a citation against me. By that point, I'd been under investigation for almost a year. They issued because I was going on speaking tours. You know, they had threatened me. I was fired from the ER for for saying that a, that a person with natural immunity didn't want didn't need to be vaccinated against a, a disease that they're already immune to. And I so I, I I was fired from the ER after being an ER physician for almost three decades for for saying that natural immunity was a was a valid defense against the disease um and and so the college went after me and and as you know i've had numerous complaints from them uh it's kept me very busy answering their crazy complaints because they are not based on science or, or ethics so um They issued the citation across Canada against me. Uh, In fact, the first I heard about it was from Global News, uh, that a reporter from Toronto phoned me and asked for my comments on the citation against me. And I said, well, what citation? Can you tell me about it? And, And this was literally like a warning shot fired across the nation to any doctor out there Do not contradict the political narrative. Do not do what Dr. Hoff has done, because you will be disciplined. This citation said that they were going to be appointing a disciplinary panel. To 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 examine and discipline me for contra you know for basically and they you know they 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 spelled out a few things for saying that ivermectin was an effective treatment you're not allowed to say that um you, you you're not you know I had spoken about micro clotting from research I'd done in my own patients not allowed to say that you're not allowed to say anything bad about these things and I had done that so. So by sending this out across the nation, this was like a warning shot to every other doctor, keep your mouth shut. Do no, If you go against the political narrative, you will be put under investigation and disciplined. So, so that is, I think, why most, I mean, many doctors that I know who, who can see that this makes no sense, they're unfortunately hiding in the shadows because they need to still earn a living. They cannot, you know, I, I I was fired from the ER. Fortunately, I still do have a license, but it's very restricted because, you know, half of the work I did was as an ER doctor. Um, so I can't do that anymore. I paid the price. Um, and they are not willing to do that because they have families to feed. They've got a mortgage to pay. Uh, yeah, I can see why. But 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 ethically, you know, if you if if a doctor has moral integrity, if you see somebody else being harmed and you do absolutely nothing to prevent that harm, you are complicit in that person's harm. And that, that is works. why and, and that is why I, I would be failing this nation if I kept silent because I have seen the harm firsthand.
0: Wow. Just I got goosebumps as you're talking. It's because. I know what it must be like to stand up to that big system. Um, it just because how, how big it is and how much it influences your life. And as a doctor, you go through so many years of medical training. You invest so much of yourself in your business, especially when you're a doctor that really does legitimately care about your patients and really wanted to get into this field right. to help people and to heal people and to be the healers that any society would need. And to see how it's just been trashed and they've threatened people I, I can understand why a lot of doctors and people wouldn't want to speak up because of what they've seen happen to people like yourself and many, many others. But at the same time, you sit back and you go, at what time does your conscience kick in? And <laughs> you just see what's happening and you don't do anything. And I, I, I couldn't sit back and I can see that you can't sit back. And uh, I just encourage any of those out there, any medical doctor, nurse, paramedic, anybody in the system, in the government, the police, doesn't matter. If you're sitting back and you agree with us and you want to say something, but maybe you were too afraid before, get rid of that because where we're going, they're going to take all of our freedoms away. They're going to not stop here. This damage is going to be a damage to the humanity that will ripple for time moving forward. And we can't even calculate the damage that this is going to cause in many different ways. And so to sit back now, how is history going to judge you? Right? How did history judge those who sat idly by in the past during these types of situations? And so we need more people to stand up, have the courage, speak the truth, even if your voice is shaking, um, because this is bigger than just pensions. This is bigger than income. This is bigger than uh, just a job. Uh, this is about the lives of of humanity. This is about our country and our freedom. So uh, I just want to hope echo that message, Dr. Hoff, and I'm sure that you'll be echoing that on your tour. Um, do you have any message of, of hope for people, uh, moving forward as we keep navigating this disaster?
1: Yeah, I think my message of hope is, is, um, your body has an, you know, for, for all those people who were either forced into having this shot that they didn't want and didn't trust or who were just deceived. Who, who really thought it would keep them safe. I mean, I, almost every vaxxed person I know has now had COVID at least once, and many of them two or three times. And, and they were told it was going to keep them safe and it was going to keep other people safe, which made no logical sense because the manufacturers of it had told us that it didn't stop you getting it and didn't stop you spreading it. But but anyway, they were told a lie. and And so I think the message is, we need to be careful who you trust because unfortunately the legacy media and and the elected officials and 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 the, the 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 health authorities have proven themselves untrustworthy so we need to develop some critical thinking skills and actually be able to think for ourselves but not only that our bodies have an amazing ability to heal ourselves. God gave us an immune system, a repair system. So the most important thing is don't get any more shots. I mean, really, that is the most important thing. Um, these, you know, these this spike protein is a patented bioweapon. You do not need it in your body. It's not going to do you any good. Uh, it's the same bioweapon that's in the shots as in the virus you just get way more of it in a shot than you would from a COVID infection. So, so my message is, is, is we just treat others with love and compassion for those that, if that, you know, who were deceived, be kind to them, realize that you've also been deceived in the past. Don't treat them like a moron or an idiot they were deceived. And and so we need to just spread love and light and and try and, yeah, just, just be there for one another and not just be there for ourselves. Be willing to take risks in order to help others. That is my message.
0: You're a good man, Dr. Hoff, a true inspiration. And I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Very informative. I can't wait to uh, follow more of what you've been doing. Please stay in touch. You're welcome back anytime for updates or anything like that. I guess I should quickly just check with you. Do you know where people can go to find information about the tour? If they're living in British Columbia, is there a website that all that information is posted on or do they follow a Facebook page or?
1: Yeah, um, I I actually, I, I don't know. Um, I can look
0: into it for you. I got Chris's number. I'll, I'll ask. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. I'm I'm afraid. I, you know, I have never ever asked to speak or interview anywhere. I I only I I, I accept invitations sometimes um, because I get overwhelmed with requests, uh, and so I don't have any. Yeah, I've never put any <laughs> on me. One of the accusations against me is that I've that I've posted stuff that is wrong. You know, that is misinformation on. On social media, I mean, I've I've never put anything on social media in my life. So, so I, unfortunately, there are other people like you who do that. I'm literally just a voice in the wilderness crying. <laughs> well, I'll po- I'll find it
0: out and I'll post it for people. Um, I'm not on Facebook; they 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 banned me a long time ago. Um, but uh, you can get me on Telegram, and I'll put the updates there, and we'll keep following what you guys are doing because what you're doing is so important. And I'm glad to hear that these types of tours and informational. Um, sessions and speeches are going to be happening worldwide as well. we got to keep speaking the truth, uh, keep standing up for what real science is and what real health is. And, uh, you know, the truth is going to ultimately win in the end, I think. So Dr. Hoff, it's been a true pleasure. Thank you for giving me this time today. Thanks to everybody for tuning in and uh, let's stay in touch. And I I wish you all the best on this tour you have coming up. Yeah,
1: thank you, David. It's It's been an honor talking to you. Absolutely.
0: All right. We'll say goodbye. And then I'll just sign off with my people here. Um, Wow. Incredible guys. That is Dr. Hoff. Go check out his work. Um, Just a brave soul uh, trying to do the right thing. And we need more people in the medical field doing that as well. And uh, salute to all of you who've come out and spoken the truth uh, at great risk. Uh, All of us have suffered in some way, shape or form due to this. But if we stick together, we stay focused on the truth. We stay focused on, uh, you know, freedom being the base of everything in our conversations. And as Dr. Hoff was saying, show empathy, show some compassion for those people who sadly were deceived by this very sophisticated propaganda. Uh, it's very hard to, if you don't know the history of it, if you don't understand how these totalitarian regimes rise up, and uh, then of course you're going to be swindled easily. So uh, please keep tuning into shows like this where. I'm going to continue to bring on guests and present information that's going to help you understand just how this works and how to combat it, and uh, to hopefully give you uh, all the tools you need to survive this medical uh, apocalypse that we're all experiencing. And um, you know, one thing I would say is just stay also really on the ball with your health. What can you do to enhance your immune system? You know, what can you do to change your diet, your your sleeping patterns to to work to become uh, to help that immune system, that innate natural immune system to shine its brightest. Uh, what, what can you do to stay healthy mentally, to stay positive? Uh, these are the things that we all need to work on. We need to help each other with it. We're a community of freedom fighters and truth warriors, and uh, we need to get each other's backs and support each other through this process especially as more and more people are going to be waking up and they're going to have a lot of questions for you. So I'm going to do my best to give you guys as much of the information and the sauce and all the details that you need to equip you in this information war. So keep tuning in here. Thank you all for joining me. And I hope you'll join me next Monday. I have a show uh, Mondays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, and also my new Wednesday morning slot at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern. And with that, I'm signing off. Thank you so much. Go check out my new documentary series, Cult of the Medics. Thank you to Rise Attire for this great swag that they've done to help support the sh- that, pro- that project. And of course, you can watch all those episodes for free right now at cultofthemedics.com. You can get all my information as to where you can find my shows and my social media over at dwtruthwarrior.com. And as I said, I'll be going over to my telegram and I'll be finding all the details about the tour and uh, all the work that Dr. Hoff has been doing. So thanks to everybody. Have a great day. Truth wins. We'll catch you next time. Cheers.